Welcome to CJSW Writer's Block, broadcasting from the University of Calgary at 90.9 on your FM dial. I'm host and producer Dimphony Dronick. I'm host and producer Cody Dronick. Our show airs on the third Wednesday of every month at 8.30 p.m. And if you've missed it live, you can check out the podcast at cjsw.com. We have a special National Poetry Month show for you today with poets Kim Fawner, Amy LeBlanc, David Martin, and Helen Hynotsky. A virtual poetry pop-up from our physically distanced living rooms to yours. Maybe the sound won't be pristine, but our hearts are pure, and we won't let the coronavirus get in the way of our love for poetry. Kim Fawner was the fourth Poet Laureate of the City of Greater Sudbury from 2016 to 2018, and was the first woman to be appointed in the role. These Wings, published by Peddler Press in 2019, is her fifth poetry collection. Kim Fawner, welcome to CJSW Writer's Block. Thanks for having me. This is our first post-COVID pandemic interview, so thank you very much for joining us from your safe house to my safe house. You are in Sudbury, Ontario. I am, yep. And And you're in Calgary. Yes, and we were both hoping to be in Calgary together this week for a National Poetry Month poetry pop-up at Hillhurst Market. I know. I was looking forward to reading at the market, and then that was going to be on Wednesday night, and then on Thursday we were supposed to go to Edmonton to read, So, and I was going to see all these great writers I know from Banff, so it's sad, but necessary. Yes, because in the meantime, the whole world has fallen on its head, and if someone is scrolling through this interview 10 years hence, then it's because of the whole world being shut down and the remarkable way that we're all adapting to that. Hey, that's right. Yep. So what we wanted to do on writer's block is uh, have a show about national poetry month and try to recreate some of the energy that we were hoping to record um, at that poetry pop-up. So I'm very glad you could join us virtually and talk about your your book, These Wings. Yeah, it's exciting. It came out last March um, from Peddler, which is based out of Newfoundland. And I had a good year of touring it and getting out to readings and festivals. And I was meant to do more of that this year, but the whole virus thing has put it to rest for now. Except for in this virtual format. So... Uh, For people who can't see it, I am going to describe this beautiful little book and encourage everyone to get it in their hands the way it's in my hands through whichever virtual way you can. Order it from your local bookstore, order it anyway, order it directly from Peddler Press, but it's a beautiful book. It's got a lovely pen and ink drawing of a magpie on the cover, and it's got some beautiful little sketches of birds' eggs inside. And the poems in it are full of birds and wings and flight. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, I've always been drawn to birds since I was a little girl, and also to trees. They both show up in this collection. Um, It it shouldn't be surprising given that I've grown up in northern Ontario. So I'm surrounded by 
you know, lakes and trees and bushland and all of that, rocks, everything. So um, birds have always fascinated me as a symbol. They lift up, they fly, they're free. You know, all of the traditional metaphors for a bird are meant to be sort of conjured up in the work that I do as a writer. I'm also curious, I love the poem about the the crow cawing and that, and it's what made you notice the fox, if I have it right. <laughs> yes, that poem actually happened. That actually happened. I was going to work as, I'm a teacher, I'm on leave right now just writing some new work, but um, it was during the winter and and that actually happened. But it was so surreal and really kind of magical in a sort of magic, realistic way. Um, I quite... It was, I had to write a poem about it. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, landscape, lakes, the vastness of it, the intimacy of loving landscape, all of those themes show up in your poems, too. Yeah, I they was, do. <laughs> <laughs> I was really transported a lot of the times. I, I first got the book in February, and I've read it two or three times since. And there was something very magical about um, the seasonality of it, or, or reading it through through a set transition of seasons, I guess. Um, you you really write your place, don't you? I think, um, yeah, I, I know I do. I and you know, the more I think of the poets I love, they they are they are ones that tend to really speak to the natural world and to place and landscape as part of their work. And for me, this place in Northern Ontario is part of who I am. So it informs my work as a writer. It's in my plays, it's in my novel that I've written, and it's in the essays I've written. It's inescapable for me. It's like breathing and being out in the woods and swimming. I do a lot of lake swimming, uh, snowshoeing. Hiking is my big love, really. Yeah, and it's beautiful to explore it through your eyes. Also, sometimes I had the sense I was exploring it through the eyes of a curious bird. Well, I think um, I'm fascinated by birds just because they seem, especially now, I find everything has gotten much more quiet. You know, there's less traffic on the roads, and in the morning I hear them. It's spring here. The snow's just about gone and I'm aware of how vibrant they are this year in, in against the silence of the road traffic being less, you know? Yeah. So it's, that's it's, interesting. It is interesting. We've really noticed that here too. As a reluctant city dweller, I, I'm finding it quite lovely to wake up and hear less of that mechanical yeah. thrum and more of the birds and the wind. And it is interesting. Yeah. My, I mean, when I wrote this, I didn't realize I'd had that many bird poems. My previous collection with Black Moss Press was called Some Other Sky. And the person who was working with me as an editor was kept saying, there's lots of birds in these poems. And I kept thinking, I didn't realize it. And then this manuscript had many more. So it, it's been, the image of a bird has been there through my work for longer than I actually knew Maybe part of you is bird. 
what part of me is bird? <laughs> I said maybe there's a part of you that's Oh, <laughs> yeah, I do think, I feel like a bird. I feel like, you know, taking time off from teaching and I was sort of wanting to free myself up to be creative and to sort of submerse myself and immerse myself, I guess is the word, and marinate in creativity and writing. Um, I often think it's like a bird coming out of a bit of a cage and sort of like stepping into myself as a creative and exploring how I work as a creative writer. Hmm. There's also an exploration of, of visual art throughout this book in some of the sections that was really quite compelling. Um, I love art. I've always loved art and I always wished I could be a painter. Um, I was, you know, never did well in art in high school and I had friends who were great artists and I have quite a few friends who are visual artists now. I'm fascinated by how the creative process works for a visual artist and I often think about how the process works for me. Um, so when I travel, I often look up where different exhibits will be or what's being offered at different uh, museums and art galleries and I sort of plan my trips <laughs> to other cities and different countries um, based on art galleries and museums and I find those places are places of inspiration for acrostic work. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's a there's a Calgary tie-in with this book and art too with the Glenbow Museum. Tell us about that. Well, I was out there reading in uh, spring of 2018, and uh, I was reading at Pages on Kensington, which is the best bookstore ever. And <laughs> I was <laughs> sitting there, and my this is like interesting because my friend Sandra McIntyre was a writer there at the time. I'd met her at Banff in 2016, and she sat next to me and pulled out a book from the bookshelf and said, have you read this? And it was Susan Sontag's On Photography. And it totally, I started reading it that night in the hotel and I thought, this is fascinating. This is making me think differently. And I had scheduled a trip for myself to see the Glenbow because I'd heard about it for years. And there was an exhibit on Frida Kahlo's photographs that had been kept by Rivera and sort of stashed away for privacy. Um, and they were all her personal photographs. So she's fascinating anyway as as an iconic image. What you think she is, I don't think... She actually was, and it's that idea of surface and how we create veneers for other people's consumption. And, you know, I often think of Instagram and how people seem really to have perfect lives, that they they curate images of of themselves and and everything, and it can feel difficult, you know, if you don't have that. I, so the contrast between a cultivated surface and what's underneath intrigues me. I think too, because I live above the mines. I'm aware mm -hmm. of there's a surface and there's an underneath and there's beauty in what's underneath. So we don't often, I, I think we don't need to filter and sort of make it glossy. The beauty of what's above um, is and below is beautiful without trying to make it look prettier. Mm-hmm. And yet there's this human need to want to be prettier somehow. I, I saw the same exhibit and I thought, yeah, it's so, we, you know, we talk about it, this curation, this notion of curation as if it belongs to social media, but it's existed all along. 
Well, and she's fascinating as a figure to me. I'm fascinated by people like Carlo, women, actually. I think women creatives fascinate me. So I've written about Georgia O'Keeffe and I've written about Mary Pratt. I find them really interesting to listen to, um, to sort of read biographies about them. But Carlo is fascinating to me because she was in such agony, you know, after her accident. And see, we always see these images of her as sort of like beautifully dressed and in traditional um, cultural costume and just such bright col- bright colors. And she was in agony from her amputation. So it mm-hmm. paralleled my life because my mother had a transmetatarsal metatarsal, um, amputation. And that sort of reminded me of, of, you know, how difficult that pain is. But Frida Kahlo, you wouldn't have guessed because she sort of like had a bit of a, smoke and mirror thing going on as an artist mm-hmm. she created this persona to protect her reality so yeah you're right it isn't all about social media it's something I think that's been there for much much longer but it's fascinating to me because I think the person underneath is the more interesting person not the selfie person mm-hmm. I think that's the false person and then I love the notion of something being underneath of great substance mm-hmm it's an interesting dichotomy that creatives have because on the one hand you you spill your soul and yet on the other hand you want to protect that that intimate part of yourself even as you're sharing it i guess i think so i mean there's a for sure and there's all, there's always sort of a persona you have when you're out reading or signing books and things that's not the person you are at home in your quietest place right <laughs> right Hopefully you're not the same person. I think that would be, it's a job. There's a part of this that's a job that's not, people will think that who you are in public is who you are, but it's not always, I think there's always a a wall of protection that you have as an artist. Mm -hmm. Well, and people assume that every painting is is personal and every poem is personal and that's not necessarily true either for, for everyone, is it? That's right. So let's talk a little bit about about art in this virtual space of this strange new world that we're all embodying. So, I, so you're doing, I notice you doing things, for example, um, on Facebook that is sharing your art. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have, I guess, for the for the longest time been aware of what, Um, social media can do if you're an artist in a northern town I think it creates community and hopefully you can sort of let people know about other events in the community so whether it's the art gallery or the theater center or a concert or a reading or a book launch I think it's important that if you have a following I do tend to have a bit of a following because I was laureate here Mm -hmm. that I can use that to sort of you know, share this news of arts events. So I think it's important and it has been here geographically. Um, and now I think it's even more important given that, you, you know, everyone is in their homes and trying to maintain a sense of connection as artists and creatives um, across the world, really. There's a tremendous generosity of sharing right now. Yes, 
And I think that's lovely, actually, for that, too. I keep thinking of the image of the lotus, the flower that grows out of the muck, you know, that it blooms, mm-hmm. that whole yogic story. Um, and I think that's happening a bit with the arts community across Canada, for sure. It's a generosity of spirit, which I think is lovely. It's a very kind of unified um, support system. Yeah, it's amazing, actually. And it also show is showing over and over the value of art, I hope, anyway, as we're shut inside trying to keep our minds busy when well, our hearts are worrying. I do think you're right about that. I think what has come to me in the last few weeks just is that I don't have a television. I'm really into reading and writing and listening to music and all of that, and I, I've been... You know, you watch friends' Facebook posts and you see what they're doing and it's this Netflix thing and I keep thinking, I, I think the arts has been so undervalued as a class of, you know, creation across Canada. It's been undervalued and underestimated. And now that everyone's at home, that's sort of like the main source of relief, right? So I'm hoping that... that people will value it a bit more afterwards as well and be supportive of it. Yeah, I'm hoping so too, that it's the poets and the the creators of distraction, and the the curators of our emotions, and, and also, you know, the people bagging our groceries and driving trucks across bleak northern landscapes who who need to be valued. I think you're absolutely right about that. Kim Fawner, thank you so much for joining us on CJSW Writer's Block. Thanks for asking me. Hopefully we'll meet one another soon. (laughs) It's going to happen on the other side of all of this madness. All right, it's a deal. All right, take care. David Martin works as a literacy instructor in Calgary. His poetry has been awarded the CBC Poetry Prize, and Tar Swan by New West Press was his first collection of poems. David Martin, welcome to CJSW Writer's Block. Thanks for having me. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Well, it's my pleasure. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about Single Onion. The Single Onion is Calgary's longest-running monthly poetry reading series. Uh, we host two events each month. We have a, a regular reading at Shelf Life Books, and that's the third Thursday of each month, and we usually feature three or four poets at this event. And sometimes these poets are from outside of the city or the province. Mm-hmm. And we, we also host an open mic at Good Earth Cafe at 11th Street and 15th Avenue Southwest. And at this event, anyone can come and sign up and share their work. Um, the Single Onion w- was started in the year 2000 by Kirk Miles, Sherry D. Wilson, Fred Hollis, and T. Crane. Mm-hmm. Uh, Kirk, Kirk Miles is still with the series, and he's, he's our president. And uh, I've been one of the organizers with the Single Onion for about the past 13 years or so. Uh, we've got a small but dedicated group of volunteers that help to make everything happen. So we've got Kirk Miles, Lori Roadhouse, Paul Marshall, Lori Fuhrer, who runs our open mic series, and Patrick Horner. Um, yeah, and uh, you know, part of our readings at Shelf Life Books, we, we sometimes host some special events during the year, and these are sponsored by the Calgary Arts Development. 
and we're able to bring in a guest curator to create a special reading for us. Mm-hmm. And you, usually the goal is to focus on poets who maybe aren't receiving enough attention. So we've, we've held events over the years to celebrate Indigenous poetry, poetry by new Canadians, poetry from artists with disabilities, and poetry to recognize Black History Month. And another, another special event that we're really happy about that we've been doing for several years is our annual youth poetry event, where we feature uh, high school students who've been part of writing groups or the Can You Hear Me Now poetry competition. And it's been really great for us to showcase this next generation of Calvary poets. Um, it's something that we're really excited about. Yeah, your your events are almost legendary by now. They they bring a lot of fun, but also a lot of depth and, and really allow poets, I think, the time to uh, share their work in a meaningful way. So all the writers... I think I'm speaking on behalf of all of us. We're very grateful for what Single Onion has brought to us for 20 years. We're, we're so happy with the support that we've had from the community. It's been really fantastic. Uh, we're really lucky to receive support from the League of Canadian Poets, the Canada Council for the Arts, and the Calgary Arts Development. And with this support, we're able to bring in poets from across Canada to read for our audience. Uh, we're also incredibly lucky to have the support of the independent bookstore Shelf Life Books which has been our home for a number of years, and they really act as, as the hub for a great deal of the literary community in Calgary. Um, and, yeah, like the goal of the Single Onion is, is to foster this vibrant literary community in Calgary, and we want to showcase the talented poets that are right here in our city and also help people discover the work of poets from across Canada, and we're really, we're really proud of the work that we can do. Well, you do a great job. And I guess this uh, new environment we're in has presented new challenges, hasn't it? It has. So, this, yeah, this spring we were, we were planning to celebrate our 20th anniversary. Uh, we had a big celebration planned at uh, Inside Out Theatre. But at the moment we're looking into rescheduling this for a later date because, of course, we want everyone to stay home and stay safe. And uh, we know that we'll be back in the future to host more events. Um, and our, our goal for the anniversary, we're hoping to feature all of the original Single Onion members, all the current Single Onion members, and we want to have uh, the involvement of lots of different local literary presses and magazines and groups in Calgary, and to feature some local musicians as well. So this is, this is kind of our way to celebrate the Single Onion and also to celebrate the, uh, the literary community itself. Um, and we, we are adapting... Uh, as best we can. We tried an experiment a few weeks ago where we hosted an online open mic using um, Zoom. A lot of people are using Zoom for meetings now. And this turned out really well. We had over 20 people log in to um, listen and share and participate. And so we're planning another online uh, event for April 27th. And if you visit the Single Onions uh, webpage, I'm sorry, our Facebook page, you can find the details for joining us. And we might we might even look into hosting our regular readings online as well, but I haven't figured that out yet. Cool. Okay, so let's recap that. So April 27th, Facebook Single Onion Poetry Reading Series. Is that what the handle is? There's, there's going to, yeah, if you go to our Facebook page, you can find the information. The event itself, I think, will be held on, on Zoom, but I think Lori Fear will post like the special link that you need 
And really, you don't need to download Zoom the program. I think you just kind of click on this link, and then you can participate in the event. And uh, it's actually it, it runs pretty smoothly. We weren't we weren't too sure how it would go, but we were all very impressed with uh, with the first effort. That's amazing. We're all finding new new technological talents as a survival mechanism, aren't we? Yeah, I'm learning. I'm learning all kinds of skills I never knew that I had or that I would need to have. Um, and uh, oh yeah, I should also mention that um, listeners can continue to support local independent bookstores like Shelf Life Books uh, by placing orders by phone or online, and they'll they'll deliver books to you, or you can pick them up from outside the store. So even though the, these stores are closed for now, we really want to continue to support stores like Shelf Life Books that have done so much for. Uh, the single onion and the, the literary community of Calgary, and who are continuing to put ha- to put books in people's hands, which is just amazing in this time where where we're stuck inside and needing ways to fill our minds with things other than worries. Hey, yeah, yeah, they dropped off a big uh, a great big book about W. H. Auden at my house a couple of weeks ago, so I've been uh, digging into that one. <laughs> Wonderful. David Martin, thank you so much. We will make sure that we tune back in once the world is, is has moved back into a place where we can gather and check in on what's happening with Single Onion. Thanks so much. Yeah, we'll be sure to let everybody know once our, our schedule's up and running again and when we're going to have our, uh, our anniversary. And thanks so much for having me today. It's been great. Amy LeBlanc is an MA student in English Literature and Creative Writing at the University of Calgary and non-fiction editor at Filling Station magazine. Amy's debut poetry collection, I Know Something You Don't Know, was published with Gordon Hill Press in March 2020. Amy LeBlanc, welcome to CJSW Writers Block. We're so pleased to have you here on our National Poetry Month show. Thank you so much for having me. And today you're here to talk about your new book, I Know Something You Don't Know. I was hoping you could give the uh, listeners kind of a snapshot of, of this beautiful book of poetry. Sure. So this is my debut poetry collection. Um, it includes most of the work that I've written in the last three or four years of writing. Um, and my intention with this book was really to focus in on folklore and femininity and the interactions between the two. So I have a lot of poems about different kind of folkloric stories that I've heard over the years, different poems about um, famous historical women that I find really fascinating. Um, I also have some witchcraft influences and some spell kind of influences so it's kind of, it's a combination, I think, of everything that I'm really fascinated by that I tried to put together into a cohesive collection. It was a really fascinating read. Uh, it, it was sometimes archaic and, yeah, like that, some of that ghoulish stuff of, of uh, fairy tales and folk stories, but also with this really unique modern spin on it. I find I'm walking around with some of the images still kind of rattling around in my head. It's very cool. That's wonderful. Yeah, I um, the fairy tale influences were were really fun to work on because I've always loved reading fairy tales. They were my favorite things to read as as a child, and they're 
like some of my favorite things to read today. Um, and what I really wanted to do with those was, like you mentioned, the ghoulishness and the archaicness. And I kind of wanted to take them and twist them in a little bit, in a little bit of a different direction um, and kind of see how I could change those stories um, and kind of feminize them, I suppose. Yeah, and I also noticed in, with, you know, using the word twist, there were, were lines where I would have to stop and, and look at it because the, the juxtaposition of it, it was, it was so lovely and unexpected that it wouldn't go where you'd assume it was going to go. And then spin an image into something completely fresh and new. Very, I, I really appreciated that. Well, thank you. So in terms of, um, you know, you are going to be part of everybody else on this show t today, too. We're going to be part of a poetry pop-up celebrating National Poetry Month. And um, a lot of you had brand new books like you. And so I'm just curious how you're going about uh, launching, celebrating your your book and National Poetry Month now that the world has basically had to you know, reinvent itself from within the confines of our home. It's, um, it has been a challenge. It's been an, a new adventure and one that I didn't quite expect. Um, it's always, this is my first book and just talking to other people that have launched books, it's always a very exciting experience. And then for those of us that are launching books for the first time right now, it's kind of unprecedented. And it's, it's a very different kind of literary debut than what we'd hoped for. Um, so I did have a Calgary launch planned for the end of March, and I had some tour opportunities booked, and those all got canceled quite early on. So what I'm trying to do, there's a few challenges. Um, warehouses are also shutting down, so it's difficult to get books to people through the kind of traditional channels. Mm -hmm. So I'm spending a lot of my time trying to get my book out to people that want it, um, with friends and colleagues. I'm kind of sending them out myself, getting little book packages ready. Um, everybody that's getting one, I'm writing them a little letter um, of what it means to me that they're reading my book and how much I appreciate that. So I'm kind of changing. I've had to change a little bit of the promotion kind of aspects that I've taken where it's had to be a lot more kind of front heavy because mm -hmm. I, I will still have a launch. Um, I hope. I expect to probably have one in the fall when everything calms down. Um, but I also don't want to lose the really exciting momentum that I had leading up to this, um, where I had people that were quite excited to read my book and quite excited to celebrate with me. And I didn't want to just put that on hold for five months and, and hope that it would still be there when I came back. So I'm trying to maintain that myself. And I've, I've honestly had incredible support from the creative writing community. Um, so many people have reached out um, to offer condolences for canceling the launch and to ask for copies. Um, so it's truly been amazing to have people really kind of come together for me in that way. And I'm really honored to be a part of this community now more than ever. Um, so it's definitely been a challenge with having to cancel the launch and postpone everything. But it's also really made me kind of rethink what it was that I wanted to do with this book in the first mm -hmm. place and why I wrote it and that I didn't write it so that I could have a launch party. I wrote it because it was important to me to write it. 
Um, and the fact is for me that I've, I have my first book, which is basically my firstborn child, um, out in the world now and people are reading it. So whatever else happens in the interim and however things are different from what I'd expected them to be, it's kind of mission accomplished in that this book is finished. This book is in the hands of people that want to read it. And I just need to be satisfied with that. Yeah. Yeah. I can appreciate that must be so tough. And, and, um, also what you're, you're speaking to is a kind of resilience and, you know, a refocus that, that so many people, everybody basically is having to tap into right now, I guess, partly too, the silver lining, if there is such a thing is that maybe people will have time to read because, you know, life has become much more interior. <laughs> it's true. Well, I'm, I'm reading a lot more poetry right now as well. Um, and it's just, it's partly because there's so much good poetry being published right now. Um, but there's also kind of that brain fog that we're all going through where I, I'm having a hard time sitting down to read a novel, but I could sit down and read a couple poems and I have the brain capacity for that. So I'm starting to read some different, different books that I wouldn't necessarily normally get to, but I'm definitely reading more poetry than normal. There's something about the quiet of white space and just being able to nibble like a poem to me is like a box of bonbons. You know, you can take one <laughs> and enjoy it. You don't have to rush through it. Like sometimes novels make you feel like you got to keep turning the pages. Whereas a poetry collection is just such a lovely bouquet of things that you can savor. It's true. And I, I never feel Sometimes I feel a pressure with the novels with how many pages I have left, but I never feel that with a poetry collection because you could start in the middle and, and jump around and see where you want to sit. So it's not quite as scary to look at. I have 300 pages left of this novel, but if I'm reading a collection, I can kind of sit down and just savor it at my own pace and not feel the pressure. Yeah. Yeah. So in terms of national poetry month, um, are you involved with any of the online kind of um, activities around it? Um, I'm starting to be a little bit. I put out some feelers yesterday to see if um, any of my friends wanted to join me for some National Poetry Writing Month um, kind of accountability check-ins. Um, I'm trying to write like a certain number of poems a week and making sure that we're giving each other support to get that done, but also the flexibility to maybe not write that many poems a week if it's not happening. Um, right. So I'm starting to get a small group of people um, together, and I think we might possibly have like a Zoom meeting or something and start sharing some of our work back and forth. Um, I'm personally going to try to write five poems per week um, for the month. We'll see if that's a reasonable goal. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> um, but I think that would be nice, and that's something that a lot of my friends are going to try to do as well, where we each have a couple days where if it's not working, you put it away and that's fine. Um, but I'm trying to get more comfortable with writing poetry that isn't immediately good and just kind of getting something on the page and then working with it later and not just mm -hmm. giving up on it and saying, well, this is a bad poem. I don't want to write it today. So this one's going to be a challenge for me and just kind of letting all of those really rough first drafts just sit and then maybe seeing what I can pull out of them later on. Um, but I am quite excited to start doing this with some friends. Um, and I know that the Writers Guild of Alberta is doing some interesting promotion stuff for 
for National Poetry Writing Month as well. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm going to start trying to write more. Um, I do want to also try to read a lot of poetry collections this month. Um, During the semester, I don't always make the time to sit down and and read new collections and read new work that's getting published. Um, But like I said before, this is an interesting time where I'm reading more poetry. So I may just want to go through my bookshelf and say, these are the collections I would like to get through this month. These are the poets I want to celebrate. And then kind of start chipping away at that book stack. Those are all really inspiring ideas. I think... uh, I think you've given us all a a to-do list. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for joining us today, Amy LeBlanc. I really enjoyed your collection. I know something you don't know. Thank you so much for having me. I'm I'm glad to hear that you enjoyed it. And we wish you all the best once we've broken out of confinement and we can all join together and relaunch all these books in real life. Yes, it'll be a busy time, but I'm excited to get together and celebrate everybody's success, of course, when it's safe to do so. But it'll be it'll be nice to get together and, and see everyone and, and celebrate everything that happened during this weird time, because there, there are still lots of good things. We just have to look a little bit harder for them. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Helen Hynotsky is a poet and artist from Calgary. She is the author of the books... Magia Ransmi by Coach House 2016 and Poets and Killers A Life in Advertising Helen shares her artwork including collaborations with her late father Steve Hynotsky on Instagram at a tea cozy is sometimes she blogs about her writing art and the creative process at a tea cozy is a sometimes dot com slash blog. Helen Hynotsky, welcome to Writer's Block. Thank you. We're so happy to have you here for National Poetry Month. Um, You're a Calgary poet and known for your very beautiful handmade books, or at least that's how I know you. I know you (laughs) do many other things as well. Um, And we just wanted to include you in our in our virtual poetry pop-up show because you were uh, originally going to be part of our real-life poetry pop-up, and um, we're trying to replicate that online. Yeah. So you're at your house, I'm at my house, <laughs> and we're going to chat about all things poetry. Excellent. Tell us what you're working on right now in this time of, of uh, isolation. Yeah, so... Um, I think it, at first, um, when I found out we might all be spending an extended time at home, uh, but it wasn't really clear yet how long that would be. Um, my first thought was sort of, I want to do everything, <laughs> all these projects that I'll be able to do if I'm at home. And then uh, I think pretty soon after um actually started working from home, it also became apparent that this is going to last for quite a while. Um, so I think the, the first, it, this, like these past few weeks sort of feel like a year. So <laughs> it's hard to say how long, but I think the first two weeks I didn't really do anything uh, creative. Mm-hmm. I just sort of relaxed and uh, I had actually just finished up 
sort of a lot, a lot of events and things uh, from January through the first week of March. So um, I'd sort of had in my mind like, okay, and I'm sort of done all this great public stuff and I'm going to have a chance to relax a bit, spend time with some friends and, uh, you know, work on creative things, but I'll just take it easy for a little while. Mostly I'm going to go out and I'm going to see pals since I've sort of been neglecting that. And, mm-hmm. um, sort of the day I decided that they were like, okay, everyone go home and stay home. So, <laughs> so, 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 so. <laughs> so I'm like, okay. Uh, Thanks but, Murphy. Uh, Thanks a yeah. lot. <laughs> exactly. So I, uh, yeah, I jinxed myself, but, um, I, uh, so over the weekend, cause I do, so I do a lot of writing, but I also do a lot of other things in other mediums. So, uh, I weave, um, which is something I picked up in the past six months, I guess, uh, cause my, my dad passed away about a year and a half ago. And when we were cleaning out his shop, uh, we retrieved these two looms he, um, bought at an auction. So I got the little one going. Um, oh, do that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. So I did that on the weekend and I think that kind of got things flowing again. I think for me, just sort of at first adjusting to this new, uh, like life that we're going to live for a few months was important because I can, uh, I can be a little bit too project oriented, a little bit like too goal and achievement oriented sometimes. And I thought mm-hmm. that's not going to be a great way to ease into this. So like, <laughs> If I'm sort of, because uh, usually if I if I kind of overwork myself, then I'll you know do something else later in the day or the next day to kind of relax and unwind. So you know, go out, see some people, do something else, go for a walk or something. And now it's all those options are sort of off the table. Yeah. So the, phys- um, so the, the physical channel changing is not an option. So yeah, you gotta pace yourself. Yeah, exactly. So, um, but once I started weaving, then I felt a bit more inclined to be creative again. So I'm working on a, a collaboration with a Toronto po- poet called uh, uh, Kate Shikoshi. And uh, yeah, so I wrote some poems for our project together that were kind of long overdue. And now I feel like I'm back in it again. So. <laughs> I think one of the little books I have, the little handmade books I have um, on my desk always is a collaboration between the two of you. Yeah. And, and for the for the listeners, it is a little sewn and stitched paper book. It fits in my hand because it almost like origamis together. And when you unfold it, there's beautiful poems, leaflets with these little beautiful poems and these gorgeous images inside. Oh, it's really quite stunning. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yeah, that's um, that project with Kate has been very special because she um I'd heard of her and a few of my friends know her uh but we never met and everyone would say like oh you would love Kate like you and Kate have to get to know each other I think we followed each other on Instagram because uh, she's also a Hungarian Canadian visual poet um so there's the two of us <laughs> and uh, <laughs> so uh, and we, we kind of ended up like really connecting, um, in, I guess our shared sort of interest with grief. Cause, um, my, my father passed away in the summer of 2018 and around that time she posted on Instagram, a project she was working on, which is sort of about, um, 
I guess loss in her family mm-hmm. and about grief and intergenerational trauma. And she posted a photo of one of her grandmother's recipes. And it's written in Hungarian. And in her caption, she said something about not being able to read it, but sort of having this affinity for her grandmother's writing and thinking about it. So I wrote to her, oh, if you want, I could translate it for you. Uh-huh. Um, and, you know, I'm also sort of thinking about grief because my dad just passed away. And we really hit it off. Uh, we started emailing each other. And I think within two emails, we said, oh, we should write a book together. So, <laughs> so yeah, we've been uh, picking picking away at that slowly. Wonderful. It yeah. sounds like a, a very loving way to work through that grief. Yeah. And uh, it's it's an interesting project. I think both of us maybe have these more... Uh, intense kind of things we're working on. Mm-hmm. And then this project we're doing together. Um, I think we try to be very free about it. So uh, the way we've approached it is we'd, we'd each put uh, five photos in, just things we liked. Uh, they had to be original so that we wouldn't have to worry about copyright or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just five photos we've taken of stuff we like, or photos we like for whatever reason, and then we each write uh, a four-line poem to go with the photo. Yeah. And so it's pretty, pretty like, yeah. Um, I find, too, and now rereading the ones that we wrote early on in the process, I can't actually tell who wrote which part, which I find really interesting. <laughs> I don't oh. remember who's is who's now. <laughs> oh, that's yeah. really cool. Yeah, it's neat. So together you become maybe a third this third voice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Uh, Maybe that's a um, handy segue into grief and this state of <clears throat> pandemic and the collective grief and how poetry maybe helps with that. What do you think? Yeah, I think so. I've actually had three separate people email me uh, this sort of chain email that's going around um, where you send it to 20 people and they're supposed to each send you a poem they like and they're supposed to send it on to 20 people and then those people would send them a poem. So mm-hmm. it's interesting that sort of right around this time I'm getting all these sort of like like requests for poems basically, mm-hmm. um, which is nice. I think uh, for me it's, it's Kind of an interesting thing. I feel like as a writer, it's too soon for me to think about writing about what I'm experiencing now. Um, mm-hmm. Because I feel like I really don't maybe understand how I feel about it yet. Um, and also that I don't know the scope of what this will mean for my life yet. Uh, mm-hmm. So, yeah. you know, I don't know if I'm going to get sick. I don't know if someone I care about is going to get sick. Uh, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So... Well, then, like, the whole thing is so different for each artist, isn't it? Some people work their way into it and through it mm-hmm. because they just need to be, you know, figuring it out that way. And other people need some time, like you say, to gain some perspective before they're ready yeah. to really use it as a subject matter. <laughs> yeah, I think so. And it's it's sort of... Um 
it's, it's an interesting time in my life, I guess, for this to happen. Oh, interesting time. It's not quite the right word. <laughs> Maybe it's a... Well, anyway, for me, I guess I've spent kind of... Well, since uh, since I lost my dad, like thinking a lot about grief and, I guess, mortality and just dealing with my own, I think, fear of death um, mm-hmm. and uh, illness, that sort of thing. So... I feel like uh, all that work has put me on a fairly even keel right now that I'm not sure I would have otherwise. So I feel, yeah, probably not as afraid personally as I would uh, if I hadn't gone through that already. Like I feel like I took a lot of lessons from that experience. Um, So so yeah. Circumstance has built up a certain amount of resilience in you by this point. I think so. On the other hand, I feel I feel like a little tentative saying that because, like I said, I just I don't know what this will mean for my life yet. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think writing certainly there's so much that we can turn to uh, in times like these. I think there is you know there's a possibility possibility of like diversion or distraction. So I'm reading a kind of like a young adult novel right now about these children who go to this like magical woodland. So there's that sort of thing that's just, you know, has nothing to do with the situation. You can kind of lose yourself in the fantasy of it. Um, and then there's so many like people we can connect with through history. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sort of like plague writing or uh, like other sort of major disasters that humanity has faced together. Uh, turning to that sort of thing or even just like things we're missing, I guess. So um, one of the books I find I'm thinking about is uh, A Lake of Two Mountains, which is sort of about, uh, you know, if you think about like being outdoors in the summer, mm-hmm. sort of thing. So like, there's so many options for how you can turn, I think, to, to poetry or to literature to deal with the situation or to like mm-hmm. help you understand what you're going through personally. And then, yeah, even collectively, too. I've seen so many people posting sort of, like, online reading series or um, just, like, free books you can access from home. Of course, so many libraries are closed. So. Yeah, there's, there's a tremendous um, upswell of, I don't know what's the word, there's a groundswell of, mm-hmm. you know, offerings of of art everywhere. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. My hope is that that really translates into a renewed respect for what artists do instead of just more, let's all take it for free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or I'm, a, like I'm a little universal. bit yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, maybe like Maybe it, it could be free, but we'd all get like universal basic income or something. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's the revolution. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. So are you doing anything special for National Poetry Month? And you mentioned reading series, like, you know, the virtual things. Um, is there anything mm. you're tuning I think, into? I don't know. I keep contemplating what I could do and contribute. Um, I have a, I'm sort of thinking if I could post anything online that people might enjoy. Uh, I, I feel like I don't naturally tend to wanting to do like films of myself. I like doing uh, ones of 
stuff. So I've made sort of like stop motion videos or like nature videos, that sort of thing. But um, I think I might uh, post some of a recent project that, or I guess an ongoing project that I have called Glass Clouds. Um, and it's all photos of downtown Calgary. And mm-hmm. they're sort of of the buildings at the places where the buildings reflect uh, back and forth into one another. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the poems are kind of imagining this as a sort of alternate, like an alternate landscape, I guess, or uh, the sort of alternate dimension that these spaces exist in. And they're all, all the poems are told in the voice of an architect who's worked to build them. Um, and I really didn't have this in mind when I started writing it, but uh, I, I think the, the sort of underlying premise of the, the poem is just that there's been some sort of, um, I was thinking environmental disaster where we can't really go outside anymore. Mm-hmm. And we're creating this sort of other way to live. So um, it, it's strange because in some ways you'd think that would really resonate with this moment, but I think it's, it's so imaginary uh, compared to like the, the very stark reality of what we're living now um, mm-hmm. that I don't, I don't feel more uh, attached to it now than I used to or anything like that. But uh, I think I will keep working on that now that I'm going to be home more. <laughs> I've got about 50 poems of it finished and I'm hoping to do quite a lot more. I have a lot of photographs, so uh, something like that. Yeah, but I might, might post those sort of for, for fun over the next month. People yeah, that sounds really out. compelling. I'd love to see that. Mm, thank you. Yeah. They're, uh, they're very summery, too. <laughs> they're all taken uh, taken sort of in July through September, so they're all like bright sunshine and green leaves now and then. <laughs> I imagine we we are all anxious for those days <laughs> to come around again. <laughs> <laughs> now, it's funny, sort of complaining about the snow in Calgary. Um, and I think, you know, my birthday's in May, and it snowed at least a few times on my birthday in my life. <laughs> yeah, I know. My birthday's in May, too, and I yeah. <laughs> remind myself of that. It's like, maybe if you live somewhere else, it's springtime. But <laughs> here you need to be prepared. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I had a, a professor at Mount Royal, um, George Lyon, and I remember him. He, I, I can't remember exactly where he said he was from, but from the U.S towards the south mm-hmm. um, and he was sort of saying he, like he would read these British poems complaining about um, sort of like moody spring weather <laughs> like for certain months like April yeah. and it never made any sense to him because April is beautiful where he's from <laughs> and similarly like you sort of read this like um, you know sort of like that April is the cruelest month for poetry, and it yeah. doesn't quite make sense here because this is really not spring yet. <laughs> like, it's not England. <laughs> no. No. We get the most snow, I think, in April than any other month yeah. in Calgary. It's not surprising. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a grim truth. <laughs> um, okay, you know what? I'm mindful of time. So, is there anything I've forgotten to ask? Well, one of the things I'm really interested in is um, 
I guess the artistic process and just being in that process and not being focused kind of on the outcome. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think my interest in this is sort of born of a kind of Instagram culture where you see so much like beautiful stuff that's done, um, but often you don't get to see all the labor that it went into it or the confusion uh, on the part of the artist or those moments of like desperation or like, uh, like feeling irritated or whatever, like all the damn. Process. I sewed that sleeve in backwards. Why don't you get out now? Yeah. So I'm. I find, or I found that I was getting pretty um, fixated on like, oh, how do I present this, or what am I going to have to share next month, or that sort of thing. So I've um, for the past. Maybe six months I've been keeping a blog. Mm-hmm. My website is a tea cozy is a sometimes uh, dot com. Um, kind of trying to write about where you are every day with what you're working on um, to try to make it seem more, uh, I guess, open and relatable mm. rather than the sort of daunting, uh, sort of beautiful photos of people's studios. And you're like, ugh. I never looks that good even when it's been tidied. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> like I can't find a nice wall and plant to photograph anything I've made against. So, um, yeah, as a way of kind of sharing that artistic process without making it seem. So share, um, share the authentic, passionate mess rather than the curated project. Pro- yeah. The curated product. Yeah. And it's, yeah. it's, I find it's been a really fun thing to share with other people too. Um, so at the event from January, um, which was called process and process, I had six people come speak about things they're working on, uh, that weren't finished or that they didn't know how to finish yet. Uh, but my favorite thing that the writers talked about was, uh, about their notebooks. (laughs) And, um, a couple of people mentioned they'd have, these really beautiful notebooks and uh, they felt too intimidated by them so they wouldn't write in them. Uh, okay. And then they'd go get like a, <laughs> like a Hillroy notepad or something, like something really quite basic, like maybe more yeah. like office stationery. And then they feel like really free and relaxed about writing. Interesting. But, yeah, so it's sort of those little details where it's really fun to chat with other people about what their mm. process is and these sort of weird little things we get caught in. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so that's the other thing I'm, I've been working on. That's been really fun and a nice way to connect with other people, too. Very cool. Yeah. Helen Hynotsky, thank you very much for sharing a little bit of your imagination and your process as a writer and multimedia artist for Writer's Block today. Thank you so much. <laughs>